We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Budding Heads Podcast from Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, I don't know, man. What's up? Uh, anything happened this weekend? Well, let's see. Um, well, it, it started raining Sunday night. That That's actually big news in, in SoCal. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's really about it. I mean... Christmas was, uh, was well, depending on when you celebrate it, Thursday and Friday. Um, so that was great, you know? Yeah, unless you were uh, playing against Alvin Kamara in fantasy, in which case it was not ideal. <laughs> well, it didn't matter for me. It was just consolation for me, so uh, at least you were better off than I was. Yeah, well... Yeah, I only had to play him against one league. Naturally, my league that I have him, uh, I got knocked out of the playoffs last week. So that was certainly not ideal. But anyways, we're not here to talk about the Saints. We will hopefully never be here to talk about the Saints. We're we're here to talk about the Los Angeles Rams uh, who are coming off their first game of the season in which they didn't score a touchdown, a loss to... The Seattle Seahawks, who have now clinched the NFC West, the Rams uh, have failed to secure a playoff spot for the second straight week. Their playoff odds are now in jeopardy. There is a chance. You know, it was a a slim chance a couple weeks ago, but now it's like a, a real chance that they don't make the playoffs, so... Uh, basically, uh, Jared Goff is injured. He broke his thumb. Basically, everything's on fire. So uh, it's a it is a pleasant time to be a fan of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, uh, when <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Da-dunch. 
Ah, what a, what a, uh, I don't know. We're recording this on, on Monday. We, we do not really have a clear status on if Jared Goff will play or not on Sunday. It's trending in the wrong direction, but it seems like he's enjoyed it. I, I, I don't even know where to start with this game. Uh, a, a 20 to nine victory for the Seattle Seahawks tied at halftime. I, I know the defense gave up a little points, but I mean, like, I guess the one real positive you could take away from this game is that it seemed like a return to form of sorts from the defense after a less than ideal game against the New York Jets last week. They get, they give up 20 points to Seattle, but I mean, it was a lifeless performance from the offense. The um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not. Outside of that, the last two drives by Seattle gave me a little pause in the defense. But, I mean, other than that, I didn't love when it was third and seven and DK Metcalf was wide open, standing by himself in the middle of the field, which ultimately helped them finish off a touchdown drive where Russell Wilson dropped a little dime to to Jacob Hollister. Uh, I believe Will Ful- or Jordan Fuller was guarding him. But... <laughs> There, there were some lapses here with the defense, but I mean, you're playing Seattle. You're not playing the Jets. Twenty points against Seattle, and the way those twenty points came, I mean, it, it is what it is. It was fine, uh, but it, overall, it was it was a good day for the defense. I would say at least. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Overall, uh, defense did okay. It was not a dominant performance by any means, but, uh, you know, there was some guys that really stepped up in there, like Leonard Floyd. I was really impressed with how Leonard Floyd played. Um, of course, Aaron Donald's going to do his thing. And, uh, you know, really, they gave up some things, don't get me wrong, but it was still manageable. When you really think about the high-powered offense of the Seattle Seahawks, 20 points isn't a exactly overkill you know that's that's manageable especially with what was supposed to be a really good offense by the rams or at least a decent offense the fact that we can't overcome a 20 point deficit is uh well i shouldn't even say 20 point deficit because they weren't up 20 you know the the whole game or the or at all for that matter so it's it's more along the lines of just not being able to put points on the scoreboard and you can't win if you can't score. No, no, you cannot. And I mean, we, we, this is really, this game just kind of sums up the identity of this year's Los Angeles Rams and which is a very strong to elite at their best defense. I would still say they're an elite defense, but just, just saddled and, held back by just a an offense that could could not have been any any more disappointing this year truly if they tried. I mean there there's been games where they played well um but there's not like the whole year, you know, maybe maybe you can point to the Buffalo game and say this that was a game where uh they they stunk it up in the first half but really came alive in the second half both on offense and defensively. I don't know. There's just there's not a game this season that you could point to offensively and be like, this this offense is the truth. Like this is a great 
offense. And in the past, you know, they they had their stinkers in, in 2017 and 2018, but there were plenty of games you could point to that where the offense was firing all cylinders. They were running the ball well. They were passing the ball well. Those two things haven't really come in tandem this year. We like there's been some games where God put up numbers, but we haven't been passing the ball well at all. And just that, like the this week, I feel like the chickens really came home to roost. Like last week, the offense didn't play well, but neither did the defense. Uh, and it was also against the Jets. Like I don't know, there's just so much flukiness about that. At least one positive from this week is that the Jets won. So, um, you know, we could we could take solace in that, right? That the Jets won a game. And again, <laughs> we're not their only win. I don't know. Jets fans won't. But God, like, I know they're missing Cam Akers, but the the offense has been so frustrating. In this game, they're just equally frustrating. And I I think Sean McVay deserves blame for this but it starts with at at quarterback and like we've said it after after the miami game in some games this week this year it's jared goff just ha- he hasn't gotten any better since 2018 and in fact he's regressed and it's just incredibly frustrating to watch a guy who you go back i'm sure if you go back and you watch that game against the vikings in 2018 or even against the chiefs it looks like a completely different player. Uh, and, and the offense is a little less talented. Like, yeah, the, the line's a little worse. You, you don't have Todd Gurley anymore. This week, they didn't have Cam Akers. Um, but I actually thought Henderson played all right. They they don't have Brandon Cooks. And that's that's another facet of the offense that I don't think is worth talking about today. But maybe in an offseason pod that the, the gravity they're missing from the Cooks, Sammy Watkins type players. But... All that being said, that the stuff that has been stripped away is not enough to justify the regression that he's had, and it just it just sucks because I feel like so many people after this game that it's just kind of like they're they're done, man. And we'll we'll talk about the injury in a little bit. He he dislocated, broke his thumb, looked like a dislocation on the field because he actually popped it back in, which was disgusting but impressive at the same time. If if anyone saw that clip. It's, it's just like we he's he, we're paying this guy a lot of money. He's a former Pro Bowler. He led us to a Super Bowl, and yet a lot of people, and myself included, are not upset that we might see his backup, who has never thrown a pass in the NFL, play this week. And like I think that just says it all. In a game that they need to win to make the playoffs, they could still make it. If they lose, we could talk about that near the end of the pod, but. In pretty much a must-win game, people aren't upset that your franchise money-making quarterback might miss the game. Like that's just that's just such a depressing realization. No, it, it is. It's it's very frustrating because this isn't exactly a guy that you can just um, replace right away. You know, John Wolford, while. The very little we've seen of John Wolford in the preseason, um, I have to say I do like him. But again, that's preseason. That's not against the top tiered talent. That's not a, in a real real life game. And there was no preseason to really challenge Wolford this year. So 
you're essentially putting in a guy that you have no idea um, whether this guy can do good or not. And yet he's supposed to replace your franchise quarterback. It's uh, it's disheartening because this is a guy we put a lot of faith into. And I have to say, uh, you know, because I have been a, a golf supporter, um, you know, especially when they signed up to the extension. Um, I I think it was the right move at the time because he was doing really well. Maybe not uh, top five material, but certainly knocking on the door of it, at least at the time of the signing. And now he's regressed into one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And it's not really an overstatement anymore. You know, it, it used to be in the past whenever uh, Goff, you know, screwed up or something like that. It was kind of an over-exaggeration that he was one of the worst in the league. But, I mean, I can't even offer you an explanation of when uh, of Goff's interception in this game. Like, there was literally no reason for Goff to throw this interception. Like, he had... He literally had so many options in this situation, and yet he throws the ball randomly, it seems like. I I think there was a guy that was somewhat near the area, but even so, it wasn't that near where they could get to the ball very easily. And it was such a simple interception for the Seahawks. And that was the momentum changer. It wasn't the reason they lost the game per se. But it was certainly a momentum shifter, and you know the the more he loses confidence, the more the team seems like, and the coaching seems like they lose confidence in him too. This is the kind of thing that is very frustrating because, as a guy that has been to the Pro Bowl, as a guy that you know took the Rams to the Super Bowl, he needs to know to make better decisions like literally i'm not joking there was so many other things he could have done in that situation he could have ran out of bounds he could have actually ran forward and get more yardage he could have done so much more now i know he's not a mobile quarterback or anything like that but anything was literally better than what he did and that's kind of the turning point of everyone's faith in golf um very disappointing i will i will say this i will say that i give him credit for going out there with a broken thumb that that takes you know that takes some serious guts to go out there sure. with a significant injury like that you know it you know you may say well it's just a thumb no it's not just a thumb that's on his throwing hand you know, he needs that thumb to squeeze the football. So you've got to imagine with each pass, he was in a tremendous amount of pain. So I give him credit there. But this is where I don't give him credit for also. If he knew that that was bothering him a lot, they she should have just said, you know what? Put in Wolford. Um, this This is a very important game. You know, th- this this wasn't like us playing the Jets or anything like that. This was basically for the NFC West title. And I get that you're a 
better team with your starting franchise quarterback. But if he's hurt, he's more of a disservice to you. And truthfully, he was struggling before the injury. So it would have been better to put in Wolford. I don't know how much better, but at least he had a working thumb, you know? Um, I, I don't know. Like, And I kind of blame uh, Sean McVay on that also because he needs to be able to make that call, like saying, hey, you know what? Let's put in Wolford. Um, you know, thank you for going out there with the broken thumb, but we need a healthy guy out there. Yeah, on his throwing hand too. And and I like I, I would never I'll never question his his toughness. Uh he's he's rarely injured. He's he seems like he's always out in the field. I don't think I don't think he's missed a start due to injury since he's been here, right? I mean Blake Bortles never played. Sean Mannion never Sean Mannion played that one game where we benched the starters. He's uh he's a tough dude and and a likable guy, which which is why even this sucks even more. Just like like you throw the ball forty three times and you only have two hundred thirty four yards to show for it. Russell Wilson had nine less yards and he threw the ball eleven less times. So I mean, and, and like you said it, you said it on the interception, but like to add even more context. The Rams were on, they were driving down the field. They're on play 10 of a lengthy, it was five minute long drive at that point. They were in, they were inching up to the red zone. It was first and 10 and he throws that fucking pass. Robert Woods was in the vicinity, but A, if you were going to throw the ball to Robert Woods, you shouldn't have, it was a bad decision. And B, if he was throwing the ball to Robert Woods, it was the worst pass he's ever made, probably in his entire life, because it didn't even sniff him. He threw it right to Diggs, straight up right in his hands. It was just, just like, forgot, like, just the turnovers, man. They're, it's been the biggest problem of the last two years since the offense around him hasn't been picture perfect. And, like, yes, if, if you have Jared Goff and the offense around him is perfect, then he's going to play well. And to his credit, that's not true for every single quarterback in the NFL. But you can't do shit like that. Like Shit like this is why Jameis Winston doesn't have a job. I mean, truly, like if we're sitting here, I don't think Jameis Winston is a worse talent than Jared Goff. But it's his decision-making, which is why he's currently the third-string quarterback, another story, uh, in, in New Orleans right now. Even though he's shown flashes of greatness, just like Jared Goff has, the turnovers, and, and and look, Op is not the turnover machine that Jameis Winston was, but he also isn't doing the good things that a guy like Jameis Winston was doing last year. Uh, he, it seems like he's only he's he's just not like throwing. And and the announcers mentioned that he had one completion of over twenty yards in this game. I don't remember at what point, and then he threw another dink and dunk that ended up going for yards, but. They can't complete deep passes. He can't make deep throws. They're really not even trying deep throws, except for whatever fucking reason, against the Jets to lose the game is the only time they're trying to throw the ball deep. It's just, it's clear that McVay, I think, has lost faith in this guy, and I think we all have as well. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be tough to get out of that contract next year. I don't know what's going to happen, and the Eagles are going to make have to make a similar decision with Wentz. Uh, unfortunately for us, we don't have Jalen Hurts as a backup, who's a, a promising player. 
we have a guy that has never thrown a pass in the NFL, and I mean, we'll see what happens if he ends up getting the start. But it's just this just sucks, man. It's I I agree with I'd agree with you at the time, and even with hindsight, it was I think it was the right decision to extend him because at least from what we'd seen, he had just led them to a Super Bowl. He was good enough to win with, and in the case of like you look at Dak Prescott, he's made a lot of money in the last two years, uh, just by by. By not signing that contract extension, the numbers are only going to go up. But unfortunately, the the gamble with Jared Goff, the risk that you were taking by signing that extension, which I think was the right decision, it just has not paid off. And now we're just saddled with this albatross contract of a player who's not getting it done, a coach that does not trust him enough to run the offense he wants to run. Um, it's just, it's just, it stinks and. Like before the season, like we we went through a bunch of quarterbacks and we we're trying to decide like if we'd have we'd rather have Jared Goff than those guys. But like you look you look at that list now of like some of the guys we said we'd rather have Jared Goff over. I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill over Jared Goff. I'd rather have Derek Carr over Jared Goff. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield over Jared Goff. Like there is a lot of quarterbacks in the league now. I'd rather have. Than Jared Goff. I mean, shit. I might rather have Teddy Bridgewater over than him, man. There's very few active starting quarterbacks that I would say today. I would rather have Jared Goff as the quarterback of the Rams. Said there's, it's like Mike Lennon and probably a handful full of other very bad players. I'm forgetting. Um, but it just it just sucks that this is where we are, and we're going into a game where we probably have to win to make the playoffs. And I just have, I have no confidence in the quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I don't think any of us really do. Um, it, it's just a sad reality, unfortunately. And um, truthfully, I, I don't, I don't really see any way around it because this is a guy we're going to owe a lot of money to. Um, and I think we're stuck for with them for like the next two years, right? Before we can actually cut them without any penalty. I something like that. At least next year, it'll be hard to move them. Um, and I think that's that's an off season pod that we'll do of what you do with this guy. Um, but yeah, yeah he, he's uh, unless you you are able to get something back from, him, and you never know, like. There's just there's also not a lot of quarterback jobs open. Like the the Jets need a quarterback and the Jags need a quarterback and they're gonna draft him in the top two. You know, there's not I don't really know what buyers are out there for Jared Goff. And honestly, I don't know like like Carson Wentz is gonna be available too, so he's not gonna be the only option of a team that's looking to buy a player like this. Uh which is which is gonna be tough. I mean, theoretically speaking, maybe a trade for Carson Wentz. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I don't man. know if that's any better. All, all I could say is, and I, I want to do like a, a real deep dive into this in the offseason, but like if he's on the team next year, they have to add a real backup quarterback. And maybe John Wolford goes off in the next game, and maybe he is the real backup quarterback. But like you need to have either make a second or third round pick like the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts or bring in a like a Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky type of quarterback that's going to breathe down this guy's neck and make him perform better. Kind of like the 
the Raiders did with Mariota this year. I mean, I don't like Mariota at all, but you have to imagine that him, his presence lit a little spark under Derek Carr, who's been playing pretty well. Uh, not not setting the world on fire, but is having a good year. I fucking love to have him. Um, yeah, I you just gotta go on that. I don't know. This this game is just like this. This was one of the least enjoyable experiences I've had watching a Rams game, and it was just like, <laughs> like at least with the Jets game, which was horrible, I was sitting there grumpy the whole time. Like this game just kind of felt like a haze. It was really boring, and then. Nobody had entered the red zone. The Rams are finally about to enter the red zone, and Goff throws that interception. I mean, I don't. Nobody entered the red zone in the first half until the the Seahawks scored on on their first drive of the second half. Like you, you're holding Russell Wilson to six points at halftime, and one of those is directly off a turnover. They had to make some. They had to move a little forward, but it was a point off a turnover. You got to be better, man. If, if you can hold Seattle to twenty points. It's a game that you should be able to win because their defense is not that good. And like I don't know, I don't know, man. It's you you got to you got to be better. And and this before the Jets game, this is a team that I thought the Rams would have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs just as anything can happen and with that defense, you really have a chance, but unless John Wolford comes out there with like a a Kurt Warner-esque performance, I, I do not think this team gets out of the first round. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if we'll get that kind of performance, but you never know, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the sentiment is, is very much real there because you have this excellent, I mean, not excellent, excellent, but, you know, we've certainly seen better games from the defense, but it wasn't that bad of a performance. Like I said earlier, 20 points were for the Seahawks is certainly manageable. And earlier this season, I don't think either of us would would disagree, but I think earlier this season, they could certainly get above 20 points, you know, and just, I don't know, towards the end of the season, Goff just, yeah, he wasn't super great to begin with but he's gotten to the point where he's freaking terrible and the fact that we can't get to a touchdown now it's not even it's not even just about putting points on the board it's like we can't even get into the red zone anymore um that's that's terrible and yeah yeah we lost some key players you know we lost some you know key guys like cam Akers. Henderson went out at a vital point, which sucked. Yep. Um, you know, uh, uh, of course, the loss of Andrew Whitworth is still being felt. Um, because let's face it, the offensive line didn't have a great performance either. No. Uh, really, the entire offense didn't do that great. Uh, the receivers, there was a few receivers, like I believe Josh Reynolds and uh, Van Jefferson dropped the ball a couple times at crucial moments. While it wasn't super great passes by Goff, they were certainly catchable, and they could have they could have made the catch and extend the drive a little bit longer. Uh, things like that, you know, just added up, and yeah, the blocking was less than stellar. Uh, when you like, like Steve said earlier, you know, this isn't exactly a huge defensive threat, at least not up front. You know, up front, they have some players for sure, but 
you know, the fact that Jared Goff had to constantly dump the ball off uh, was not also promising. That doesn't excuse Jared Goff by any means, but we need better performances by the offensive line as well. Yeah, yeah, they they were rough in this game. And I think, like, when you really need a little push from your line is at the goal line, and we went four and out in, on the goal line uh, the first drive of the second half, and the goal line aficionado back Malcolm Brown ran the ball three times at the goal line for a net total of one yard. Uh, and when he got the ball, like, you get the ball first and goal at the two, and you can't punch it in in four plays. It's, that's it's embarrassing, man. That's really terrible. Uh, we ran Malcolm Brown three times. Jared Goff ran up the middle once, almost fumbled. Uh, <sighs> yeah, it was it was bad, and the offensive line was bad. They should not be excused from this. I but but at the same time, man, like they're bad. They're missing Andrew Whitworth. Uh, they struggled. You're missing Cam Akers. But Jared Goff shouldn't only be able to be good when all these things are going right for him, you know? And I think that's the problem when you pay a guy that amount of money, like, yeah, like I, you just you think everything needs to be going well for him to play well. And I think, like, when you say things like that, that's the makings of a great backup quarterback. When everything's going well, you can perform. If you're backing up Pat Mahomes and he gets injured, you could step in and throw touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. Like, sure. That's what a good backup quarterback does, but a franchise quarterback needs to be better than that, and it's just, it's not it. It's not cutting it. No, I totally agree with you. Um, this this isn't exactly the same Jared Goff that we that we saw in in the Super Bowl run, uh, which is disappointing. I, I have no idea what exactly happened to Goff, but he lost his his moxie along the way. He's He's just not that confident out there. Even when you see him out there, you know, going going out to the line, it's like he, he's kind of going business as usual. He's a tough guy. You know, I, I still give him credit for going out there with a broken thumb on his throwing hand. Um, but even before that happened, you know, it, it kind of felt and seemed like uh, he was just kind of going through the motions. And if that's the case, then you don't have a franchise quarterback you have a backup and uh one that's being paid you know 33 million a year that's that's a tough pill to swallow there yeah and and like yeah if this is his first bad game in a couple of weeks then yeah you'd blame it on the thumb but he has not played he really there's not like a game that stands out as like a, that was a great performance game by Jared Goff since I don't know, all season, really. Like, um, he, even the Cardinals game, we scored 30, 38 points. He threw for 351 yards. He threw the ball 50 times. Uh, it, it was not like he played winning football in that game, but he didn't, he didn't like impress, you know, like it wasn't like you didn't look at that game and be like, damn, Jared had a great game. You looked at the game and said, Jared did enough for us to win. And that's, just, that's not what you want out of a quarterback making this much money. Um, I think last thing before we move on is that the Rams in 2020, for all the flaws on the offense, uh, they the worst thing about this team has been their punt returners. And Simba Webster, again, fumbled in this game. I don't think there's ever been a worse punt returning unit in the NFL history than what we've seen from the Rams this year between Simba Webster and Cooper Cup. 
No, I'd be hard pressed to find one. Is uh, the this is this is a joke. Um, it's so I, I think bad. for the, I think for the Rams, they were hoping to do what they usually do, uh, which is you know kind of try out guys, uh, during the preseason to replace the uh, the punt returner or the kick returner, and uh, yeah, there's no preseason, so uh, that that didn't happen. But you you gotta have a better plan than that, and the the truth is they do somewhat have a better plan. That's what kills me. I don't uh, again we don't see what happens in practice, but you got to imagine that uh, Raymond Calais, um, who's a technically a backup running back, um, you got to imagine that he would be the much better option than even Cooper Cup. I mean, I like Cup a lot. I think he's a excellent receiver. But that's where he needs to stay. He is not a punt returner. He's not a kick returner. Um, well, truthfully, he's only done punts, but still. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why that Calais hasn't really been given an opportunity. I can only just imagine that it, he's been stinking it up in practice. But still, it, it's frustrating to see when you have a guy with potential. And then you're settling for basically Cooper Cup, who is not a returner, and Simba Webster, who continuously disappoints. But, like, with Raymond Clays, too, like, they claimed him so fucking quickly off of Tampa Bay's practice squad. Like, within, like, a day or two, I think, after he was cut by Tampa and signed to their practice squad, the Rams claimed him. What, what, what did you, why? Why do you, like, you would think if you claim a guy so quickly that, like, you saw something and you were like, this guy could do something for us. But, like, he's inactive all the time. The punt returning scenario has been so bad that, like, he hasn't gotten a chance. And, yeah, maybe he just stinks in practice. But, I mean, it's just, for a special teams unit that for nearly a decade was just such a trusting, like, competent part of the team. And, yeah, occasionally they'd miss some field goals. Occasionally they'd they'd go they'd get a little cute and do a fake punt and it wouldn't work but they were just such a well-oiled machine that even when you rotated in new new punt returners a guy like Farrell Cooper could go all pro like to see where they are at now it's it might be the worst unit on the team and that's even considering that you have one of the best punters to ever play like it's just it's just such a it's terrible how bad they've been this year you have Ron kicker number three I think they finally figured it out there, thankfully. He made a 50-yarder in this game. Shocked that the Rams attempted a 50-yard field goal this season. I didn't think we'd see it, but just the, the punt returning. And Johnny Hecker has, we haven't dialed up one fake punt this year. It'll be the first time in Johnny Hecker's career, assuming we don't next week, that he hasn't thrown a pass. Um, I'm not saying that's why the Rams are frustrating this year, but it's just like, it's just another thing in like, the hat of things uninspiring about the 2020 LA Rams. Yeah, for sure. And um, I I think one of the things that has been really clear is that the Rams need to fire John uh, Bonamego or how the hell you uh, pronounce his last name. He's the new special teams coordinator. I actually had to look that up right now. He's the new special teams, uh, you know, coordinator, and he's no John Fossil. Let's put it that way. 
And not that we're expecting a John Fossil so quickly, but um, at least better than what we've seen. This It went from a great special teams unit to one of the worst in the league. And like you said, Steve, you have this talented punter in Johnny Hecker and has happens to have a good arm. And, you know, there was a few times this in this game, really, that I felt like that creativity could have came in handy. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I think it it's definitely time in the offseason uh, to look for a new special teams coordinator because he's not the answer. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't advocate for really getting rid of somebody in this, like, not that it's a small position, but not like a like a cheap position after one year, but there's just, there's been too many. Like, every facet of the special teams has had problems. Like, if it was just the kickers, then, like, I, I wouldn't really totally blame the guy. But uh, for the punt return team to be this bad, uh, and the punting unit in general for just not to be great, I mean... Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't lose sleep over it. Um, So I guess before, and I guess it's part of talking about the Arizona game coming up, I well, we should lay out the playoff scenario. So we we laid out every possible scenario, playoff scenario for the Rams before the Jets game, and we talked about how they could get the one seed, how they, could, how they could get every seed, and how they could miss the playoffs. Well, obviously, we can't get higher than the fifth seed right now, we probably are not getting the fifth seed because I don't think Tampa Bay loses next week. So it's really going to be the sixth or seventh seed. Or or we missed the playoffs. And, Jody, here were the things in week 15 that we needed. Before going into week 15, these were the things that needed to happen for the Rams to miss the playoffs. They needed to lose out, which involved losing to a winless Jets team. They needed the Cardinals to not win out, but to split one of their first two games and then beat us in Week 17. And they needed either the Bears or the Vikings to win out. And so far, we've done our part. The Bears have done their part. The Cardinals have done their part. Now, we should caveat this with saying that the Bears are playing Green Bay next week in a game that matters for um, their playoff positioning. But also for the Bears, they win and they're in, no matter what happens in our game. So they're going to be fired up to win that game. For us, if we win, we're in. If we lose, we need the Bears to lose to make the playoffs. And I, I, I think, would we get the seventh seed or would we? I have to look it up later. We'd get the sixth or seventh seed. It doesn't really matter. We're going to be playing a, a good division winner, not Washington. Um, if we win and Tampa Bay loses, then we would get to play the winner of the NFC East, which is obviously the best scenario. But <laughs> all this team had to fucking do is beat the Jets, man. And we wouldn't <laughs> be in this problem. That's all they needed to do to make the playoffs. And now we're in, we're in what's like a doomsday scenario that seemed impossible for this team to get into. And here we are. Well, not to add salt to the wound here, but. Uh... Just got a bit of bad news here. Uh, looks like Daryl Henderson is likely out for this week Ugh. with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that sucks. That's two straight weeks our running backs have gotten high ankle sprains. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Cam Akers' status is. I know that they were hopeful that he would play this week, but... I, I doubt it. I, I would highly doubt it. So that means 
you have your starting running back as Malcolm Brown. Yeah, and I I wouldn't wanna. I mean, we'll see. By the time this pod comes out, we might have a little more clarity on Cam Akers. But if he's not if he's not over like eighty percent, don't play him. Like, don't risk him getting a long term injury for this team to get into the playoffs, like this version of the Rams, like I don't give a fuck, man, if we make the playoffs anymore. Like I would love to be in the playoffs, but I don't really want to watch this team go go into New Orleans and lose by forty points. Like that's that would ruin my year. That would ruin twenty twenty one immediately for me. Like like but if but if he's healthy then or healthy enough, like without a big risk of re injury, yeah, play him because I also I'm not excited to watch Malcolm Brown be the the three down back because I mean they're not gonna play Raymond Calais, right? Who are the running backs that we have in the we have some running backs in the practice squad that were okay in camp, right? I gotta remember. Yeah, forget the other guy's name. Um Xavier Jones is on the roster. We- so yeah, we will see a little bit of him. I don't with the COVID rules, I don't think there's enough time to sign somebody. Uh, and have them clear protocols. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good, Steve. It's no. really not. And uh, now, now, especially against the Cardinals, is the time you really want uh, to have Acres or Henderson available. Um, and uh, the fact that both of them may not be available that just sucks. Yep, and potentially without Goff, um, or with Goff, obviously. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so let's talk about our our not my boy, a guy who has been championed by a lot of Rams fans on Twitter, and that is John Wolford, the backup quarterback. He was a <laughs> for those who didn't know who our backup quarterback was, uh, John Wolford is a guy who played really well in the Alliance of American Football in 2019, well enough to get him a spot on the Rams roster. He was on the practice squad last year because we had Blake Bortles, but uh, he showed some flashes in the preseason um, and showed enough that the Rams were confident to make him the backup quarterback full-time this season. Uh, He's the only other quarterback on the roster. They'll probably bring... Bryce Perkins is on the practice squad, right? He'll probably come in and be the backup quarterback for this game. Yes, he is. So, like, it's there is no footage in the NFL besides the 2019 preseason of John Wolford. If you want to check him out, you can go watch his AAF tape with the Arizona Hotshots. Um, like, in all honestly, here here are like the the things that you could say that are would be positives about him playing in this game like a we don't have to watch Jared Goff well I'll be I will be happy about that um you have to be an insane person to sit here and say John Wolford is a better option for the Rams than Jared Goff we have no fucking evidence that's true and and if you're you're actually saying that with a straight face like stop it but Johnny and I'm sure you agree with me it would it's gonna be nice if Goff doesn't play to just watch somebody else play quarterback for the Rams I think that's more or less what people are are saying when they uh, when they say things like uh, Wolford is the better option. I don't think they technically believe that Wolford is the better option, but I think what it is is they just want to see somebody different, 
somebody that hopefully won't stink up the game. But in reality, if if Wolford was really as talented as we'd like to think he is, um, I think McVeigh would have already made the switch. But then again, uh, you never know. I mean, it, it's hard to say because, you know, you invest so much. I mean, there's so much money into one player that it might be hard for them to just bench him just because it costs too much just to have a guy on the bench. So it, who knows? Maybe it is like a, a Kurt Warner like scenario. You just never know. But um, I gotta say the odds are very unlikely, and the whole reason all of us want to see Wolford isn't because he's the better option. It's because they just we just want to see somebody different and yep. hope pray that he has a smidge of talent. Yeah, yeah, I. So this would be, this is interesting for me because as anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long period of time knows how I feel about the importance of having a competent backup quarterback. I was very vocal about it during the Sean Mannion era. I was very pleased about it during the Blake Bortles era when he was our backup quarterback. Um, and now finally we, we have a chance to see one of our backups and it's a guy who has never thrown a pass. Um, and we'll see. Look, man, maybe he is the truth. Uh, I, I wouldn't say the truth, but like maybe he's good enough to be to be in this league. We have no idea. We we have very limited uh, preseason tape of him. Now the big, I think the biggest upgrade and probably the only thing we could say will be an upgrade and going from Jared Goff to John Wolford is uh, he can move. He's pretty quick. He can run. Um, he has been compared, so he um, he plays the scout team quarterback against a starting defense every week. So he gets to mimic every quarterback and how they would play for the defense. And the, the closest comparison he's gotten is actually to Kyler Murray, who we play against next week. And you don't make that comparison unless you think the guy can move. And I think based on how our line is playing and you look at just the amount of time Seattle was daring Jared Goff to just run the football. And for whatever reason, he didn't take it every time and decided to, just throw them the ball instead. Uh, that's that's going to be a big thing and something I'm I'm excited to watch if it comes to it. Uh, is that we'll have a mobile quarterback. The first time we've really had a a true mobile quarterback. Like I don't in my lifetime maybe playing uh, quarterback for the Rams. I mean I don't remember a single quarterback who I felt confident running the ball. Like Austin Davis could move a little, but not really. I think he's about the closest. Yeah, and he was not a mobile quarterback. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think back, and well, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, because the backups remember. were molded to be the starters' backups. Usually, you know, it's Kurt Warner wasn't mobile, Mark Balder wasn't mobile, Sam Sam Bradford like couldn't move, so. <laughs> There was there was just never a mobile backup. Sean Hill could <laughs> could not walk. Yeah. I was probably faster than him. That might not be true, but you get the point. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like even back, like Tony Banks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, wow. That's, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I think um, beyond that, I. I don't think that was really the era of mobile quarterbacks. 
Uh, you just had the rare ones back in those days. But, um, yeah, this this would probably be the closest to a mobile quarterback we've ever had. Yeah, and my hope is, like, I, 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 if, if Jared Goff, if that hand isn't right, like, it, I, I would rather he doesn't play because, I don't know, man, like, let the let the guy get right, you know? He's not playing well. Uh, he's probably going to be the week one starter next season. Just just let him let him get right. I, I don't think there's really a, a, a gain from him playing in this game based on how he's been playing, based on, um, like, he, he has a broken thumb in his throwing hand. You know, like... You don't want your quarterback playing with that, and you got this backup here that's on the team. Let let's see what he's got. I I don't know. It, worst case, you don't make the playoffs. But like I said, like nobody feels good about this team today. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, if got if Goff thinks he can go and feels right, and it's not affecting how he throws the ball, then he's going to be out there. And, and I I I this pod's either going to come out Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know what how much we'll know, but it's more beneficial to just talk about Wolford, I think. Um, like, if you watch his tape, as I'm watching right now, I mean, he could throw. It's obviously highlights, so you don't you don't get the full story, but he can throw a little, and he can move. And I, I'm really excited to see. I, want, I would love for Sean McVay to tailor a game plan around his strengths because and another benefit of having this guy is there's not really a scouting report on him. Uh, it's kind of like when the Wildcat was successful in the NFL. It wasn't because you were the Miami Dolphins were running Ronnie Brown at quarterback. It was because nobody had seen a team really do what they were doing and nobody could catch on to it. And that's the advantage Sean McVay is going to have here. And if he really is this football offensive like savant that we've all believed him to be, like this is a golden opportunity for him to craft a a smart an interesting game plan that Arizona won't be ready for because they can't prepare for it because they don't have tape that their tape is from an amateur football league in like two preseason games of this guy. Yeah, I, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's just fascinating where we're at now. And, <laughs> uh, so Steve, before we, uh, end this pod, I, I have to ask, who do you got next week? I, I'm so Kyler Murray's banged up, right? But I mean, he's probably going to play. I'm I'm picking the Cardinals, man. I I'll take the Cardinals. Nah, twenty twenty one to six. Whoa! I have no Damn. fucking I have no fucking faith, man. I'm so sad. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong again. I can't. I can't I, in good uh, conscience come out here and pick the Rams, man. After the shit we've seen the last two weeks. Nah, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, I don't imagine that the the, the Rams are going to win this football game. Um, just because I, I, I think if the Rams had Cam Akers and a healthy Daryl Henderson, I might be able to argue here, but they don't even have those two. Uh, or at least likely won't have those two uh, at the time of recording. So with that in mind, plus you're not sure of a healthy starting quarterback. 
I I gotta go with the Cardinals here. I I gotta say, I'm gonna say 24 to 14 Cardinals. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope and pray that they at least get into the red zone this time. Ugh. But uh, we'll see. Um, I I think if uh, if Cam Akers is healthy enough, it gives them a better chance of winning. But I'm not really holding hope that he is going to be helping uh, in this game. No, me neither. I will say, though, um, we don't really have much of an injury update on Kyler Murray. If he doesn't play, I I, I change my pick to the Rams. I, I think yeah. that the defense is too good to let Chris Streveler is their backup quarterback or Brett Hundley. The Rams defense is, is going to eat a backup alive. Um, and I think even if it's John Wolford going, or even if it's Jared Goff, I think they, as long as, like, if, if Jared Goff is the guy going out there and Arizona starting a backward quarterback, Sean McVay is going to play the most conservative game possible and let the Cardinals just lose the game. And I think he would succeed if that were the case. But if Kyler is out there, even though we did a really good job against him last game and even though he's going to be banged up, my just faith in the offense is so little that I would have to pick the Cardinals. Yeah, I I think I tend to agree there, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you though. If if the if the Cardinals run a a backup, I, I think I would change my pick to the uh, to the Rams also. Yeah. Well, it's shaping up to be an interesting off season. Um, but I mean, as much as I can't stand the fucking Rams right now, uh, I would like to be previewing the playoffs next week. So. Let's hope that happens, and ideally, we get the sixth seed and end up playing Seattle and not the Saints because I can't handle that in my life right now. <laughs> well, with all that said, uh, my final thoughts here is go Packers. Yeah, that's the one. Like, I don't think the Bears are going to win. So that's the one. Like, we probably will be playing in the playoffs next week, even if we shit the bet in this game. But the fact that we're even sitting here talking about how we could miss the playoffs is insane, considering how much needed to happen and that it's all happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week. Um, feel free to follow us on Twitter at TalkGrams, at Rivera at johnny 5 6 and we'll be back. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.